Welcome to Tachlis Talks and our Shalom Bias booster number six. Shalom Bias or Shalom Bayit, Shalom, peace. But again, we are not simply satisfied with a lack of battle or a lack of strife. We are looking for harmony. We are looking for bliss. And Bayis or Bayit, the home, our primary focus related to marriage. But if you are a human being sharing this planet with other human beings, odds are that there are spheres, circles, social circles, parent, child, sibling, co-worker, certain situations in which you could benefit from an enhanced shalom. And as always, feel free to toss questions, concerns, comments our way at tachlescoaching at gmail.com or topics you'd like us to discuss in upcoming podcasts, again, to tachlescoaching at gmail.com. So, issue that has come our way, help. I discovered that my spouse is not perfect. Now, I'm going to assume, obviously, that you are, because you're a Tachlis Talks listener, but theorize out there, for those people who are not perfect and discover that their spouse is not perfect, meaning mere mortals, human beings, we're not perfect and somehow manage to be okay with our imperfection, but we notice an imperfection in our spouse that bothers us, bugs us, drives us crazy, and that we don't have the tools with which to fix. We're not going to focus today on the issue of how do we help steer our spouses toward their own perfection, but how do we relate to the situations where we can't quite do that yet? There's something bothering us, and either we've tried and it's not happening, or we're just bugged and we don't want to bring it up. How do we cope? The Talmud in Kedushin describes Kedushin Ayin Amaral of 70a. Kola posel, bemumo posel. If you're looking out a window, take a sheet of glass, look out that sheet of glass, looking at society outside of yourself, and watch people for a long period of time, and occasionally you will notice issues that bother about them. Put something behind that glass, turn it into a mirror, and you're looking at somebody within which, hey, that person, hey, I don't see flaws in that person. But odds are, it teaches us the Talmud, that if you've noticed an error in others, a disqualification, a psul, some problem in others, odds are there's an element of that that is found in yourself as well. As Rav Dessler puts it in his Mechtav Mel Yahu, in the fifth volume, he puts it this way, that if you see the flaw in others, then either, A, that is something that is manifest in your behavior as well, or B, you share a trace of that issue as well, or C, you've at least been okay with that behavior, or even acknowledging or appreciating that behavior in others at times. So there's an element of flaw within you that you have either been okay with or actually developed and acted in the same manner that you're finding to be problematic in the other. And how often, when dealing with a spouse, is it something that at an earlier stage maybe while you were dating or in that early stages of marriage, that when you saw the same issues, you simply didn't notice, didn't care, or even were somehow appreciative of that behavior in them, but now it is bugging and irking and bothering you. In such case, it behooves us, if there's this truth that if I see it in them, there's something about that behavior that's manifest in me to at least work on the me first. Because number one, that's your primary focus, should be your primary focus. And number two, it will be so much easier to potentially bring up, hey honey, this is an issue that I put a lot of effort into and I managed to overcome. It wasn't easy, but I did. And then 
oh, if, if you managed, then maybe I can as well. You have a lot more credibility if you managed to legitimately, to put the effort in and realistically conquer, and you're vulnerable enough to acknowledge that, that will give you a lot more power in suggesting that change. But again, the starting point is I'm seeing that problem instead of harping on the problem and reminding myself of that problem and, and reiterating how problematic it is that he or she are or are not doing whatever it is they are or are not doing, if I can find that trace within myself, let's channel the energy into self-correction rather than the, 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 uh, the criticism of the other. Second facet. Let's say I've analyzed myself legitimately, carefully, and I do not find that I share a trace. They simply, some type of behavior or some mannerism that they're doing that is disturbing, is bothering me, and it's not something that I share. How do I deal with that? Well, let's put it into context. How massive is this behavior quirk? How severe is whatever it is that they are doing? How absolutely damaging. Let, let's pick an example. I can't handle the fact that my husband always forgets to do A, B, C, D, or E. Let's just pick an example. Um, if I have to ask him to change the light bulb, it always takes three requests until it happens. Okay, so let's use such an example. Didn't change the light bulb. And the living room, uh, let's make it there normally, like four bulbs operating and now there's only three and it's just not quite as comfortable. And it's disturbing. And it happens to be the bulb next to the chair, the couch where you hang out and read your magazine. That's the one that's not working well and it really is bothering you. And it's bothering you the fact that he forgot and is an indication of some lack of care that he wasn't attentive to your request. So as you are experiencing that again, because you flipped on the switch, hoping that maybe just maybe he surprised you and he changed the light bulb, but he didn't. And as you are starting to feel that angst and frustration, that's the same moment that you get a text message that you won the mega lottery. Now, issues aside relating to the damages that potentially happen from winning mega lotteries and all the concerns, and uh, to help protect against any of the real hazards of that quick, quick cash and all the things that can go wrong, speak to me. I can help coach you on how to divest yourself of some of that money. You can maybe sponsor some upcoming Tachos Talks and uh, protect yourself against some of the calamities and hazards of winning too much money in one shot. But that aside, in that moment, visualize yourself. You flipped on that switch. The internal emotions about to happen as you see that text message. How much attention are you giving to the light bulb not working in that moment? You're so overwhelmed by that, wow, that positivism that it's going to offset the negative because the negative is not quite that big. Well, how about if you channel, you flipped on the light switch, you're about to feel that angst, and if you would say, every time I'm about to be disturbed with my husband, I'm going to remember that I won the mega lottery. I was granted eyesight by God. I was granted mobility. I was granted a marriage. I was granted a warm home. I was granted taste buds. Okay, if you lost them during COVID, hopefully got them back. If you didn't get them yet, hey, you have taste buds for so many years, and hopefully we'll get them back soon. But how about realizing how many mega lotteries we have won in life relative to that frustration or that disturbance? The disturbance might be real. 
and it might be incorrectable, but does it really warrant the negativism and the buildup of the negative emotion? If you really had won that mega lottery in that moment, you would have totally forgotten to ignore the light bulb being all out and would not have brought it up at least till the next time you turn on the light switch. Can we be mega lottery winners? Because we truthfully are and use that emotion to cloud out and eliminate the negative emotion that's starting to build up inside of ourselves. <clears throat> so number one, can we find the flaw that I'm seeing in the other in myself and channel all my energy to working on myself rather than harping on their flaw? Number two, they have the flaw. Can I offset the flaw by thinking of the positive again? That doesn't mean I reduce it to nil, but reducing it to what it really is is something relatively petty again, in comparison with so many other aspects of life and probably even so many other aspects of my spouse. There probably are a lot of good things about this guy you're calling your husband, even if, in fact, he isn't so good at remembering to change the light bulb. So putting those in perspective, hopefully using the opportunities where we notice the imperfections in the other to work on perfecting ourselves, when we notice the imperfection in the other to not let it build up and hold negative energy and angst and frustration because of the fact that it really is petty compared to so many other incredible blessings. And to close with an idea, Ray Ehrlich shares that disappointment, this disappointment, this letdown that my spouse is not perfect, once again, he's letting me down, she's failing in some regard once more. Disappointment, he describes as an equation, is the distance between expectation and reality. So let's be more real in our reality. And hey, if you forgot to change the light bulb five other times, don't be expecting it to be changed when you flip on the light switch. Allow yourself to be surprised when he actually does pull it off and changes it. But hey, this is a reality. It's not the most severe issue. It's not the most tragic issue, but that's the reality. He's not a good light bulb changer. Live with that reality for the moment and you won't have the disappointment. And again, I'm not saying, husbands out there, that you should be forgetting to change the light bulb. She wants to change, then you should be receptive to the fact that that's, it's not just a light bulb, right? It's an element of relationship. It's how she values that you're there for her. But if he's failing you and not turning it on, don't build up the expectation. And again, a simple example, you can plug it into the various examples in your own lives. Hopefully, if we can minimize the areas of disappointment, we can reduce the frustrations. We can um, you know, eliminate the energy that goes into harping on others' problem, the others' problem, and rather correcting our own. We can have the type of relationships where shalom will prevail, and together as couples and as as all of the social circles in which we operate, we'll be all the more likely collectively to properly aim for and achieve our tachlis.